For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 257 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we broke 200 reviews on iTunes, Will Witten. We did? Yeah, buddy. Thanks to a couple of kick-ass listeners. Thank uh, y'all so much. Yeah, we passed that 200 mark, so now it's the road to 300. That's alright if that one takes a little while. It's just nice to get past that 200. So Of course it is. We uh we appreciate all you guys that have uh have left us reviews over the years and stuff like that. It uh it means a ton to us and it helps other people find the show. So if you haven't yet, you can do that on iTunes. Um also you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blue harvest podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us your questions or voice messages at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon where we post all kinds of bonus podcasts. And uh, if you want to support us for as little as $3 a month, you can over at patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast. We just uh, posted a new, the newest episode of Star Wars Year by Podcast their buddy steel last week and i believe we will have an episode of uh masters of harvest Cosi with king tom coming up uh very shortly as well so you can look forward to that and all of our other fine bonus pot content <clears throat> how you been buddy since we last talked oh busy mm-hmm. uh just busy with the toddler Yep, busy with the toddler, another baby on the way. Yeah, yeah, he and I spend a lot of time together. Just bonding, dad and son time. That's all we do, all we do is play. I've seen more Godzilla movies than I have in my whole life the last couple weeks. He's he's into Godzilla now? Godzilla and King Ghidorah and Rodan. Dude, you know, that was my very first... Thing I was crazy about was Godzilla. Before 
horror movies before Star Wars. He said, I need Mechagodzilla. Oh. Oh, buddy. I guess Uncle Halls is going to be hooking that dude up with some. <laughs> oh, he heard you talking. <laughs> he said, did you say Mechagodzilla? Um, yeah. I'm glad to hear he's into the uh, the kaiju, if you will. Oh, definitely. I know the difference between the Showa era movies and mm. the the what is it the? I always forget. It's like Heisha or something like that. The ones where he looks a little more like cartoony and friendly. They're a little more like slapsticky. The ones yeah. that came out like I guess it would have been late seventies in the eighties. Like yeah, Son yeah. of Godzilla is part of that, um, like uh, I guess section of movies or or era yeah. of movies. The 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 studio is called Toho. Yeah, Toho who's is who makes them. Uh huh. And they're the Showa era, and then there I think it's the Heisei maybe or I can't remember that second one. The Showa is is the original era, right? Right. From like right. The... And then from like eighty nine to ninety seven ninety five is. The... <laughs> Those 91s were good. The monsters looked good, but the the battles were super short was the weird um, part. I actually have a bit of affinity for like the later era Godzilla movies that started with like Godzilla 2000 and yeah. stuff. They do some crazy crossovers and stuff in those. The big one at the moment is like Shin Godzilla, which is nuts. Right, which is by the guy who did Evangelion. Right, yes. Um, Yes, Shin Godzilla is pretty neat. It's pretty crazy. Um, so, uh, you know, last weekend, Jesse and I, I have a story for you. Jesse and Excellent. I had to go to Texas because uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess it's been about three weeks now, her grandma passed away. And we were going for the memorial, right? Right. And we were really looking forward to seeing everybody and getting away from the house and stuff um and you know her ha family's so big that it's not uh very often that they get together you know what i mean like with mostly everybody there right but what we weren't looking forward to was doing all that during a damn global pandemic right right <clears throat> so there was a lot of anxiety um around the trip and stuff just stuff that would normally not be a thing like stopping at a gas station to use the bathroom or, or fill up the car like it just becomes yeah. this whole nerve-wracking process right so right. we have the uh they have the memorial on on um saturday it's great you know um people doing the mask thing and and all that <clears throat> and then afterwards um we're all hanging out outside and as the, you know, afternoon progresses, like people leave and, you know, over the last eight and a half, almost nine years that Jesse and I have been together now, I've met most of her family, but there were several that I've never met before right? at the memorial. And, uh, -huh. uh so, you know, people start heading off, you know, back to their hotels or to their respective houses and stuff. And Jesse's staying behind to help clean up pack up food and things like that right so i'm sitting out in the front yard just off the porch and dude it is a beautiful day you know what i mean mm -hmm. like super bright out nice light breeze it's kind of in the middle of nowhere so it's quiet 
So you can hear the breeze. There's birds chirping. Clouds in the sky are the big, fat, white cotton candy clouds. You know what I mean? It's Texas. So you got a yeah. big open sky. Big open sky. Super sunny. Um, and so I'm sitting out there, and a lady comes out and sits on a chair on the porch who I've not met before, who's like uh, a friend of the family, right? Right. And she's talking to Jesse's stepdad who's out there, and then he goes inside to help out and it just he just leaves me and this lady out now you know me when i meet someone who i haven't met before i am a medium level of painful awkwardness at best you're usually just silent exactly that is how it comes across i'm just very quiet and like not trying to be rude i'm just awkward right right so she comes out or is she sitting out there and much less uh, all the anxiety I have going on about this trip. So now I'm at a DEFCON 4 level of awkwardness. You know what I mean? Oh, no. Yeah. Fucking strapped up with my mask on, all fat and sweaty, sitting out in the Texas heat in dress clothes, which I hate. <coughs> well established. And uh, she's just like sort of looking off in the horizon, and she goes, man, I'll tell you what. This year has sucked. And I'm like, yeah, it's hard to argue that. And as she starts this next sentence, literally the sun goes behind a cloud and it gets darker. Uh Uh-oh. She goes, there's a plague sweeping the land. You can't trust the cops and the world is in shambles. (laughs) And I go, "Mm mm-hmm, yep. These are all true statements. And she goes, I can't wait to die. Oh my goodness. And okay. Like, like, I can't <laughs> wait to die. Like <laughs> creepy psycho or like, I can't wait. To Jesus, die. take me. The rapture is coming. Like, uh, I would say a little bit more of that one than the, like okay. the creepier, but it was like, it's the first conversation I've ever had with this lady. I'm awkward. I don't know her. And she goes, and I was like, I, I don't know what to say, right? So yeah, I'm there's just nothing like, to say back to that. I'm just like, like, oh, I my, well. resp- my response is, oh, man. <laughs> and she then she just goes again, yeah. I can't wait to die. And just, then she looks bringing at Bringing it on home, doubling down. She looks at me, and I would say she's, Older, but not elderly, if that makes sense. You know, maybe yeah. 50-ish. Yeah. I don't know. She looks at me and she goes, how long you think I have left? 15, 20 years tops? <laughs> once again, I don't know what to say. So I'm yeah. like, oh, I, I don't know, ma'am. Uh, you know, and she goes, yeah, 15, 20, boom, I'm out of here. I don't have to deal with this bullshit anymore. And then thankfully, right around this time, some of Jesse's family comes out of the house and the conversation changes. But for a few minutes there, I was stuck in a real awkward conversation with a lady who I didn't know. You were like, oh, wow, isn't that special? (laughs) Oh. Oh, man. So, um, that's, that's kind of what I was up to over the weekend. 
<clears throat> now, because of being around her family, even though we were doing the mask thing and stuff and going to all the, uh, but, you know, being around her family, going to all the gas stations that we went to, you know, probably three on the way there, three on the way back, the last three days or whatever have just been me constantly wondering if every slight change in the way I'm feeling is the onset of coronavirus. That's excruciating. Yeah. That kind of anxiety, worrying about every single symptom. Yeah, probably took my temperature, oh, I don't know, 10 times so far. Just constantly checking. It's so fucking stupid, man. Right, oh. and you're waiting for that one big temperature. Because, you know, some people are asymptomatic. You're like, oh, maybe the only way I'll know is temperature. Maybe <laughs> I won't even run a temperature. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, if I could get it and be asymptomatic and then have antibodies, money, baby, that's fine. What I'm not looking to do is get put on a ventilator. You know what I mean? I'm trying to take care of myself. I don't know if I get it that I come out on the other side uh, right as rain. You know what I mean? I, I have damaged my lungs enough in my lifetime that I don't, you know. Yeah, don't want to risk gonna it. It's not going to be a good thing for me to get it. And... You know, I wish I could be one of these dum-dums that's like, it's a hoax. I wish I could have that peace of mind, but I don't because I, I believe in science. Do. Yeah, right. I don't think you do. You don't want to be one of those people. <laughs> I don't. Not I mean, truly, but. You know, it's a luxury. You know, it, m Most of those people don't know someone that's had it or someone isn't ha hasn't had it in their family or immediate circle, which is a blessing because of the precautions and measures we've taken so far. And yeah. as we open the nation back up, I mean, it, I mean, it's just going to get worse. Yeah, buddy. It sucks. I'm starting to feel a little bit like that lady out on the porch. I don't know. But she was very pro. She was like, there's a plague sweeping the land. You can't trust the cops. I was like, yeah, I mean, you kind of nailed it. I mean, I can't, I can't argue these points you're making. The future is definitely not flying cars and meals and pills. Oh, or fucking robot legs. Yeah. You know what? If we had just fucking kicked this coronavirus to the curb, if we had all done our shit, then the scientist could go back to working on robo, robo leg technology. You know what I mean? Exactly. Now, now I'm Mecha Godzilla. But no. Now, who knows? I Old probably... Elon Musk would be like, the Tesla 4 comes with a set of robot pants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you want to talk about some Star Wars? You know it. So, speaking of the coronavirus, COVID-19, if you're nasty, um, we, uh, you know, movie theaters have been, by and large, shut down completely for a few months now. And I think they're slowly opening up. I don't know. Like... I'm so disinterested in the concept of going and sitting in a movie theater right now that I just don't pay attention. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Like, I feel like movies Ooh. are changed. Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, as movie theaters are starting to open back up, they don't, you know, there's not new releases for them to show. Right? Like, all the big new releases keep getting delayed. Like, that new Christopher Nolan movie, I think, got 
delayed another two weeks today or something, right? Right. Um, so apparently what's going on is different studios are offering uh, sort of classic films in their catalog to these theaters <clears throat> to uh, sort of entice people to go back to the movies. And Disney right. is one of those. And they've got a, a selection of pretty awesome movies, you know, available to the theaters like The Avengers, Black Panther, Deadpool, Zootopia, Iron Man, Inside Out, and The Empire Strikes Back and The Force Awakens. Oh my goodness. Yeah, man. Now, would I love to just be able to go and uh, stress-free hang out in a theater and watch The Empire Strikes Back? Fuck yeah, I would. However, I don't see myself going to see the empire strikes back in theater unless one of the drive-ins around us gets it now if that happens i'm all about it that would be cool so that's what i'm I, hoping uh, for i would love to you know the movies are a big room like it's mm -hmm. it's, re it's recirculated air so yeah it's indoors i mean it's moderately riskier like if you kill like the three seats on either side of me and like you know everybody is watching a movie like they're taking the final in science class, you know, like a desk in between everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, I can watch a movie like that. I can get down. That's fine. Uh, you just gonna have to deal with your seat if you get a bad seat. But, I mean, I yeah. mean you got to do that when it's full anyway. Yeah. And, I mean, and you could do that with the mask on. Like, that could be reduced risk. You won't be risk-free. But I'd take my can of Lysol, spray down my chair. Yeah, and you know, or my bleach wipes or something. I think at least most of the big theater chains are requiring uh, customers to wear a mask during the movie. Which, once again, I could do that. Like, you know, I wear a mask longer at work right. than going to see a movie, and it's totally fine. Like, if I can, if the movie's good enough, I'll forget I'm breathing my own hot breath. Like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you know what? I I, I brush my teeth. Before uh, I put my mask on, you know what Pop that means? Pop a Listerine shrimp before you go in. <laughs> yeah. No no problems with hot, stinky dog breath in my face. Um, but, like, uh, I don't know, man. It still I know. I know what you mean. I'm still not comfortable enough where I want to. Like, the idea of it sounds excellent, mm -hmm. you know? And, like, I would love to patronize those establishments to let them know that I'm still here and I would still go to the movies and I got you, dude. I know you're on hard times. Yeah. And it sucks because you know, the, the nice theater we went to see the rise of Skywalker in. Yeah. That's my favorite theater in town. It's an AMC theater and they were kind of boneheaded as a corporation this week where they're like, we're not going to require people to wear masks in the theater because oh, we don't yeah. want to make a political statement. Right. When it's well, not even, that's the thing is that where I live, a mask has become a political statement. Yeah, right? I, I mean, look, I, I'm next door to you, buddy. It's the same thing, you know. They're like, oh, that, oh, that person's wearing a mask. They're a fucking liberal. They believe in this thing, and you know, it's not real. Like yeah. that's what the majority of people are walking around here. It's a little better here, and because it's Birmingham, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I don't just work in Birmingham. I work in the little out of the out in the middle of nowhere towns too. And, and it's a thing there for sure. You know? Um, so that really disappointed me. Cause like I said, that's my favorite theater. Now, <clears throat> luckily they stepped that back and, and did say that they're going to require masks, but still like it's a, it's an issue of public health. That's it. You know the what I mean? The thing is if, if nobody wears masks, 
and we still go do these public things. It's less safe than it would be if everyone was wearing a mask doing these public things, right? So Much less safe. You're much more likely to come out of whatever large event you do that is, you know, a large gathering safe if you use a mask. Right. This has turned, I haven't mean to turn this into the use a mask podcast, but like, just as a general service health announcement for all of mankind at the very moment, it's in your best interest to wear a mask when you go out in public. It helps keep you safer and someone else safer. Yeah. You know. It's not just about you. It's about other people. And it really bums me out when I know, like, smart people who are, like, against the simple use of a goddamn mask. I mean, like they're smart people, I and mean, like I have to keep telling myself that this is just another thing. It's the thing of the moment because like there are smart people that don't believe that we landed on the moon. Like oh, there are smart people that don't get me started. You know, have all kind of interesting in- opinions. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just like take care of yourself, take care of others. Like it's not that big of a deal. It's become a hot thing, and hopefully we'll reach a day in the near future where, you know, logic, science, and reason prevail as opposed to hot, flaming emotions and reactions. Yeah. You know, that's what's (laughs) the word of the day, and I hope we reach a better tomorrow. Me too, buddy. Me too, because I would would definitely, like, like everybody else, I'd love for things to be back to normal. You know what a quicker route to getting stuff back to normal is wearing a mask yeah a mask. yeah you know me and you buddy. know my mom's super optimistic she's like i'm hoping they you know they gotta hopefully they'll have something figured out this summer I'm like mom i'm talking best case scenario vaccine by january 2021 that is a best case scenario you're looking at another cold and flu season of this you know masked up in lockdown like And I know that's scary, but, like, that's the reality of it. You know me. For years, I've been bemoaning the the fact that we don't live in a Star Wars society where walking around in a helmet or a mask is just everyday business. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And this was without considering a fucking killer pandemic. No, this was just, fuck, I I would wear a helmet every day. So, you know what? Wearing a mask doesn't bother me one bit. I kind of like it. I would rather not, but I feel like it's part of the plot line to the division one and two. Like, Oh my God. You know, (coughs) for real, I wish, I mean, that's obviously way more serious and virulent, but, uh, I would, I want one of those giant respirators now. Like, yeah, really bad. Dude, if I could be boy in the bubble, uh, effectively out in public, cause I don't do, I'm not out in public that much. Even now that, work is picking back up. I've I've scheduled it in a certain way where like I don't have to be out in the public all that. You know, much. I do this weird thing where when I'm going to the gas station like the door to get in, mm-hmm. I will take the bottom, the very bottom front of my shirt and pull that out in order to open the door so that my hands don't immediately and then I'll catch the door with my foot. And, like, open the door with my foot. And when I leave, I don't touch the door. I use my foot to open the door at the bottom. Yeah. 
You know what's weird is I've gotten to the point where if, you know, I'm going into an office or something for work or, for instance, like when we were going to gas stations on a trip, if I smell hand sanitizer on somebody else, it's like a security blanket. Or I'm like, it's like oh, oh, okay. Oh, you Sanny? I Sanny. I Sanny, Sanny too. Hey, Sanny bros. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Star Wars. I Star think Wars. Where we were originally headed. Yeah, talking about the movies being back in the theater. I mean, I I don't really have much more to say on that other than I hope I they... really want to see a movie. Yeah, I can't convince myself to do it quite yet. Yeah, if like I said, if they bring Empire Strikes Back uh, to the one of the drive-ins around here, I'll go. I'll be there, hanging out in my little bubble car. Perfect. There's a drive-through safari out here. I don't know uh, if I told you about this. But have you, you been through it. it? You, yeah, I have. So what's it like? I've never been through one of those. There's one that's up sort of towards Huntsville too. I think. I think this one is in Combe, Mississippi. Como, Como, Mississippi. Um, you, it's this big safari range, a giant plot of land, and there, you know, there are camels and and llamas and zebras and buffalo and you just drive through that bad boy and you gotta you know you bat you buy however many bags of food you want and it's just like you know grain pellets like like what you feed livestock and uh you go through and the the things come and eat at emus they'll eat out of your out of your hand or out of the bag just right up through the car window right up to the car window oh just stick their nose in your car basically yep i'm gonna gonna be pitching that idea to jesse here before too long yeah that sounds that sounds see that's another thing like i would i would love to go to the birmingham zoo because i think it's a really nice zoo and i think they do a good job and i think they just sort of recently reopened but man once again I've been to that zoo on a busy day, and it is a ton of people. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is, if you're feeding the animals by hand, those animals aren't sanitizing their faces before they stick in their mouths. You know, they're salivating mouths in your hand, and then the next person's hand, and then the next person's hand. Yeah, well, for sure, uh-huh. be sanny and up. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Encounter. Like, that's what you got to do. You know. Yeah. Too bad the uh, drive-up safari doesn't have a raccoon section. I would drive overnight and be there when they opened. Those things would get in your car and never leave. Okay. Catch me complaining about that. You won't. That's what I'm saying. They'd be like, where did all our raccoons go? Like, this one guy came through. (laughs) You just see me driving down the highway, and the car looks like chaos inside. Me with a giant smile. Giant grin on your face, and the raccoons are high-fiving in the back seat. (laughs) One comes up with a Doritos bag on its head. <laughs> Ooh, sweet and spicy chili Doritos. Um, okay, so uh, you know, how long ago has it been since we had Corey on? About a month, month and a half, right? And we were sort of trying to figure out the lineup of directors for this season of The Mandalorian. And at this point, I can't remember who all's confirmed. I know we have Peyton Reed who directed the Ant-Man movies. We have <clears throat> Robert Rodriguez, Dave Filoni for one episode. I believe John Favreau's doing one. 
Um, and I can't remember if she was confirmed or not, but word has come out that Bryce Dallas Howard is returning to direct an episode. Oh, nice. So there's at least five of our directors lined up. And I feel like I might be forgetting someone. Maybe Rick Famuyiwa. I, I can't remember if he's been confirmed to be coming back for season two. Or Deborah Chow. Um, but either one of those. It spells Famuyiwa. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm sure I'm I'm butchering it. It's not on purpose. I'm doing my No, best. I'm not trying to correct you. I'm just, yeah. I hear that, and that's what I say in my head, but then when I see his name on the the gallery, it's Famuyiwa. Like, that's yeah. just... Yeah, I need to... I really need to get that down, you know? Yeah. Um, speaking of Disney Gallery, I guess we can just go ahead and transition to that. What would you think of the last episode? Uh, I thought it was great. I thought hearing Dave Filoni talk and hearing them joke, like it ended on a high note. They saved some of the good stories, the jovial um, stuff for the end. Yeah. And, and, you know, something that I really liked about the Mandalorian in particular was sort of the attention to detail and the little callbacks and I don't know if you'd call them cameos, maybe Easter eggs. Easter eggs or where they pulled bits and and from the other Star Wars and it really kind of it weaves the Mandalorian right into the fabric of the universe like yeah it's it's the stitching that add, you know it makes it look seamless yeah and it just reminds me of all this the excitement in the lead up to the Mandalorian like all the stuff we talked about on the show like um, the little teaser images that John Favreau was releasing on his Instagram of like the ice cream maker or, you know, the Mando's pulse rifle. And what tickles me is John Favreau's love for the running of the Wilro hoods uh-huh. and uh, the Christmas special so much so that he brought up to George Lucas that, Oh, you see that? That's Canon. We used that gun. And he was like, oh, I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> he goes, yeah, know. you, that's Canon, right? Fuck that is. And he goes, not really. And George's reaction that I identified with that so hard because that was me when that lady was telling me that stuff at after the <laughs> memorial, like that that thousand yard stare in his face where he was like, "Oh, he's gonna bring up the holiday special of all things." This dude is gonna bring up to me the holiday special. Why well, got this documentary camera in my face that I know? <laughs> I love that. That was probably my favorite part of this episode. Right. <clears throat> um, man, I forgot what I was going to say. Damn. But all the Easter eggs, dude. I mean, and just seeing John Favreau's excitement <clears throat> about that little container. Yeah. Like, it's it's... It's exciting. It's yeah. infectious, I think. Yeah. Hearing and... Dave Filoni talk about, you know, shooting the X-Wing pilot scene, like, and everything they had to do to do that, and how, <laughs> you know, nervous he was. Like, that's all awesome. I like, love all... that he was like, and it looked like a grapefruit. And John Favreau was like, yeah, it wasn't your color. <laughs> I did like that. And I thought it was really cool that the X-Wing that they used the cockpit was the one that they were shipping off to galaxy's edge in Orlando. Yeah. And before they shipped it off, they, they used it for the show. I thought that was really cool. 
Um, I like the direction for him to call it in like he's bored, you know, and like, disinterested. Yeah, because I really picked that up. Like that was like maybe disappointingly so. <laughs> what stuck out to me in the um, in, in the scene. show at the at the time, but knowing that that's how he was directed, it makes perfect sense, and it, he pulled it off. Like I mean, he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, I also love sort of the through line of the blurgs showing up and everything Dave Filoni has done. And he doesn't, he's got nothing. To, he's like, why do they keep showing up in the <laughs> things that they don't even fit? They don't make sense. He's like, <clears throat> yeah, I thought that was a pretty neat. And, and, you know, just the fact that we're dealing with a show that's not just pull it like, okay, it's easy to take Boba Fett and tweak the armor a little bit and make it badass chrome. You know what I mean? That's kind of an easy call. You got to. Yeah. Okay. But what's not an easy call is to take a fucking stop motion creature from the Battle of Endor and, uh, you know, the movie, the Ewok movie, and have it featured so prominently in the show. That's right. not as like a the home run call. The easy thing to do is to pretend like these things that aren't necessarily incredibly popular didn't happen. Yeah, you just make a movie that pretends like, oh, droids didn't happen, or you know, references them in no way. You know, trying not to give them validity. Or the and then you have something to do. like the Mandalorian that just brings it along. It's like, oh no, this is legit. This happened, and this is a part of the universe. Or the easy thing to do would be instead of doing blurgs, you do tauntauns or dobacks. You know what I mean? Or do-backs, yeah. Something more readily recognizable in Star Wars. But no, they pulled in some deep cuts. Um, oh, Mark, Mark Hamill being uh, uh, the droid bartender. Bartender droid. That was I didn't cool. even hear it. It doesn't sound like, I'm usually good at that. <laughs> yeah. But that's modulated so hard that I had no idea. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Because um, I could tell it was him in Rise of Skywalker. When he's I knew the spy guy. Yeah. When the war. Yeah. Um, yeah. The... The just, you know, I'm sure it's something we've talked about ad nauseum as we talk about like this Disney gallery, but they've, you know, uh, when you get, I don't know how long it shapes out to be after all eight episodes, four, four, maybe five hours of content, making of content, like it really allows them to get down in the nitty gritty and, and hash that stuff out. And I really enjoy it. I would love like every Star Wars movie that gets put out on Blu-ray to have an equally long documentary, you know, about the process behind all that stuff. Right. Um, and it makes me look, it really has me looking forward to whatever they do with Disney gallery going forward. Like, you know, be it the Marvel shows or the second season of Mandalorian or Cassian or Obi-Wan, like if they continue this on, I'm all about that. I can't wait to see them continue that on because I'm really enjoyed it. The joke about John Favreau saying like, "and with this we can launch Disney Plus," like mm-hmm. that shit was hilarious. I don't. I think it was Deborah that said that, maybe, but uh, um, yeah, man, and uh, you know, just rebuilding the cantina, like a little. I think they said it was a little under half. Yeah, and, the dude saying it was like under half, and then once he didn't know how it was going to work, and then they brought up the the, the screens, the volume and stuff. The like, volume, and it was like, oh, nope, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Just so awesome. Um, 
it was cool to see um, the 501st. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and you got to imagine, for those uh, folks that got invited to be part of that, like, man, what an opportunity. It was kind of weird because I don't know much about this and the ins and outs. I haven't done a ton of reading on it, just sort of surface level, but I guess there was some pretty hardcore 501st drama going on last week, and I think it's still going on. Um, so it was kind of weird, the timing of this 501st drama coming out, and then there was... Does it was... have to do with this, The Mandalorian? No, from what I understand, it has to do with... I don't want to speak to it too much, because like I said, I don't know all the ins and outs. It's, it's definitely not my, you know, like, niche of Star Wars knowledge, but I think there was something where the head of the 501st was calling out a specific garrison in in how they sort of operate and um mm, some in-house discipline mess yeah I, like i said i don't really know there was some some question of like maybe because uh, you know they're supposed to be like a non non-for-profit non-profit not-for-profit organization and i guess there was something to do with garrison selling merch and making money that's not being put towards charity i don't know like i said i don't want to misspeak or get any of the details wrong because i'm not it's in the 501st right like yeah. that is not a, a not a, a business we need to go stir in. yeah yeah i don't want to get it wrong you know right um now this is a one thing i will say like and this is a little nitpicky and i i did sort of consider it when the show aired because it is a cool scene when Moff Gideon lands in his TIE fighter and the wings fold like I hope they're not trying to establish that as all TIE fighters do that because we have seen plenty of TIE fighters landed that haven't done that now I, I heard that when he said that and I was I just thought he must mean from now on because I mean we've right. seen TIE fighters land and they don't land like that like, right Right, and I and they I would got like a ladder to see that comes down. I think, yeah, and I would like to see like you know, if they establish that that is like uh, a special the first thing for, order doesn't store them like that. No, nope. you know, in their hangar, they're set up. Right. Oh, dude, what about that practical version of the dark saber? Oh, it looks awesome. How do I get my fucking hands on that? That is cool. Oh, I guarantee there's DIY instructions online being built at the moment oh, if they're not online right now i'm sure i could probably talk to my buddy sal or my buddy mike and be like hey do you know anybody making dark sabers and they would be like yeah this is who you got to go with this is who makes the best one i'm sure they're out there no doubt they're out there um but damn it was it was cool to see awesome and john favreau <laughs> taking ownership of the character that he played that had the dark saber mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, it's cool. It kind of looks like a katana. It's just, it's real cool. It's real cool. <clears throat> so, yeah. I You know, overall, I have really no complaints about Disney Gallery. Uh, no. Other than maybe it could have come out a little closer to The Mandalorian. But I imagine that has more to do with spacing out the content to try and keep people subscribed more than anything. 
So and interested, mm-hmm. not just waiting six months for something new on the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Give you the special features to watch after the season. Yeah, and now I guess you know uh, we're about four months or so out from season two. They keep saying that it's not delayed, that things are are progressing as usual on season two, and that it'll it'll hit its original release date. So if that's the case, you gotta imagine it's not too long before we get maybe a trailer or some sort of information um, about season two. I was kind of right. hoping maybe that episode of Disney Gallery would end with a trailer for season two, but it didn't. <clears throat> that would have had me real stoked. Right. All right. Well, I guess that about does it for us this week. You know, not a ton of Star Wars news. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and transfer uh, transition on over to emails and voice messages, if you're cool with that. I am. All right, cool. Let me uh, get it queued up. The only Jedi master who can crash box Kitty Cockhead Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead He's a big Surian stud He loves to split chicks with his pud Kitty Cockhead So stroke his cone and suck on his balls Kitty Cockhead What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge but he'll be plumping spooch tomorrow! Cockhead! Ruhurt! Cockhead! Hansberger! Cockhead! Will Witten! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! Key and D! Cockhead! Cockhead! Alrighty, let's kick this off with a little bit of the king of all toms, King Tom Chansky. Hey there, Haas and Will. I gotta tell you, I'm gonna be a bit lost on Fridays now that we don't have Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, whatever it's called. I think it was a great idea for a show. It was nice to have that. And that's the type of thing that they should be doing with Disney+. Plus. I mean, I know we're going to be getting season two of The Mandalorian, some animated series, even some non-Star Wars stuff that people are looking forward to. But I think that this is the type of place they can have shows like Rebels Recon or, you know, a backstage thing like The Mandalorian. And I think they should be doing more of that because if, if they have the footage... Uh, especially if it's of something old. Like, could you imagine if they had, if they were able to go through the vault of all the behind-the-scenes shows and features they used to do for, like, the original trilogy or even the prequels? There's got to be a ton of stuff there. So let me ask you, if if, if you if Disney Plus were to come to you and say, we're going to do something backstage Star Wars-related, and we have all these this different type of footage from these eras and interview shows and... You know, things that were slated for DVD extras, what have you, whatever it is. What type of behind-the-scenes thing would you put together? I mean, even look at that video they did for, what is it, the High Republic stuff. When they launched it, they, they did interviews for that, for books. And I just think, 
I don't know. I, I like that kind of stuff. I'd watch it. it, it you know, it would, would make the week a little better. So what would you do? Me, I would probably do something like a behind the scenes of the story group. Either that or I would see, because remember how after George sold Lucasfilm to Disney, they had interviews with him and Kathleen Kennedy. They had to have done some documentary type stuff back then. Don't you think? So either story group or behind the scenes of the purchase. You know, now that we're, what is it, eight years almost after the purchase and the first group of movies they wanted to come out is out. I think open the vaults on that type of stuff, don't you think? Anyway, thanks for listening. Looking forward to your answers, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Ooh, I like this question because I love behind-the-scenes stuff. <clears throat> I think... First off, I think both of King Tom's ideas are excellent. I would love a day in the life of the Lucasfilm story group type documentary. That would be cool. You know what I'm saying? Just from the big stuff, like whatever they're doing related to TV or movies, to the small stuff, like getting in contact with an author and, and you know, being like, well, this doesn't work, you know, because of this, this, or this, right? Right. <clears throat> the small minutia. The Lucasfilm sausage. Yeah. How it's made. Um, you know something? I this is going to sound weird, but I would watch a documentary on sort of the, for lack of a better term, <coughs> forgotten elements of Star Wars history. Not that anything's really ever forgotten, but what I mean is like, do a documentary about the Ewok movies. And how they came about and, and things like that and sort of the thought process and, you know, <clears throat> whatever. Because I think they were at some point planning a third one that never happened. And yeah. talk about the Ewoks cartoon and the droids cartoon. Talk about, you know, <clears throat> Star Wars detours. Or talk about, you know, just all these sort of elements of... Star Wars that aren't really considered canon anymore as far as I understand but were around when there wasn't much Star Wars around sort of uh you know a, even a broad documentary on what Star Wars was up to post Return of the Jedi until the special editions when things really started to ramp up like that could be real fascinating I think yeah and I also the, think it could the in between times smooth out some of this idea that George Lucas had some great fucking influence on the EU books rather than occasionally offering some guidance or being like, hey, don't do that. Do this. You know, like I think there could just be a lot of interesting stuff you could get out of. I think those were paychecks, my friend. <laughs> That's what helped that and uh Merch and toys is what helps make uh, Phantom Menace. <clears throat> what uh, what do you think, buddy? What would you like to see? Oh man, that's so broad. I, you know, I I guess maybe like is it Ken Burns? Like a Ken Burns style documentary about like the making of the most recent trilogy mm -hmm. because we kind of have that for the other one or maybe <coughs> yeah. even of the the prequel trilogy because i don't think we really have one of those 
Yeah. <coughs> I mean. <coughs> oh, no. Um, so, when I would think, you know, we have the beginning. That really awesome documentary about the making of The Phantom Menace. But yeah. then with Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, they never really did something on that level. So yeah. I would 100% be down with both uh, a prequel trilogy making of and a sequel trilogy making of. Yeah. Um, that goes into that sort of detail. Uh, that could be awesome. And, and King Tom, you know, he brings up a really good point. It's not that rare that we see some sort of behind the scenes footage or, you know, archival documentary footage from the original trilogy era that we've not seen before. At least I haven't seen before. So like you got to imagine that stuff exists for the other movies too. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. You want to hear from our buddy, Jim? Yes. Let's hear what he has to say. Pause and will. I would love, I just want to talk about solo, man. Fuck. I know the make solo two happen is annoying but damn it man every time i you know i hold back on the retweet but i always have to heart it because man job of the hut on the fucking big screen boba fett on the fucking big screen i mean yeah it would be really cool to be the Crimson Dawn and all that. I'd love to see it pan out on Disney Plus, but big screen, baby. Fuck! I didn't see the first one because it was like, oh, I see. This is Disney. Uh, now that they own Star Wars, they're just gonna start cranking out one character at a time, and we're just gonna eat it up. And you know, it, and it was weirdly advertised. And uh, man. Make Solo 2 happen, man. I so, oh, oh they, just every time I want to shut up about it. Darth Maul involved too? Live? Oh my, what? I mean, now it's so much. I just think that uh, they could kill it. I think that it did uh, Lando? Never mind. I'm sorry. I know it's annoying, but uh, I, I sure would like to. Wouldn't you guys like to see it? What do you think? No fucking question. Just make Solo 2 happen. Sorry, guys. Love you. Ignite the green. I mean, you don't have to apologize. The ground is ripe for them to nail Halo. Um, Halo. Solo <laughs> 2. Um, they could nail it. I mean, they laid the groundwork. And whatever it was rocky groundwork, I think Solo will all be, always be remembered poorly. Not poorly, but not as fondly or as a mess. But honestly, I think it's one of those movies that was better than the rap it gets. You know, like yeah, yeah, I totally get that. If it makes sense, the the Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie, not a very good Godzilla movie. Like not really Godzilla. But if you look at that movie as just like you know a monster movie, a creature feature, like if you can put out of your mind that that's Godzilla. It's not a bad movie. It's a pretty good movie, you know, but it's, it ain't a Godzilla movie. Right. Yeah, I don't... Um, the thing is, is unfortunately, when you have a movie that underperforms at the level Solo did, 
like that makes it really tough for you to get a theatrical sequel. Yeah, I and mean, it, I know. And it really comes down to just the the basic business of it all. And I would love to see that story continued. Like you're there's no like, doubt a mini series like you could do a Mandalorian style solo too. Yeah. And, and that seems to be what a lot of people are sort of speculating on doing a little cock of duty, speculating on or hoping for. It's just, <clears throat> you know, you know, it's clear to me that Disney was hoping to turn that into another sort of sub franchise within star Wars. You know, had that movie done well, right about now, we would probably be talking about Solo 2. You know, that would probably be the movie we got this year or next year or whatever. Um, And it's a shame because they, you know, it's wide open for further exploration. They definitely leave it open for a sequel. It just didn't make the money. And that's what it comes down to. Um you know, and I just, it sucks because, you know, I would love to see what's going on with with the Crimson Dawn and Darth Maul. And, of course, I would love to see them <coughs> bring Boba Fett in and Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, fuck yeah. Those were two things that I was kind of expecting in the first one. And, you know, they even give you that little teaser of Jabba the Hutt at the end. You know, they don't, you don't show them, but they sort of, mention him without saying his name so you know it's just it sucks but i think at this point the most you could hope for if it were to ever happen would be a disney plus series really don't see it being a theatrical release you know um but i've been wrong before so i guess we'll see time will tell we will see Everything may come out on Disney Plus from now on. Yeah. For real. Movie theaters may become something entirely different. But you know what? I mean, I will shake my finger at movie theaters just a little bit that my general admission ticket is like 20 bucks and my popcorn's like 20 bucks. Maybe you should... Hopefully hopefully that cheddar that you squeezed me for is, uh, is doing you well at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. I think we will see some some of the bigger chains file for bankruptcy and stuff as this all continues, but I don't know. <clears throat> all right. So we've got an email from a special emailer, a first-time emailer. This is from my goddaughter, Taylor. Oh, my goodness. Who has apparently started listening to the podcast. So... Uh, clean up my language a little bit is what that means well you want to know something that's funny the first ever feedback we got about the podcast because i just pulled it up i saved this came in may 17th 2015 when taylor was 10 years old she emailed me so this would have been what about two weeks after we started the show and it says i'm listening to your podcast and you said the f word (laughs) <laughs> five frowny emojis oh my goodness seven exclamation points oh my goodness so now five years later she's writing into the podcast i haven't read this yet so hopefully it's not to uh complain about the language but you know maybe uh 
maybe. Uh, it says, hey, Uncle Halls and Will, hope y'all are doing well. I was listening to episode 204, No More Sunny D, and it was very funny, especially the Tang story. I kind of remember that. I decided to Google it, and they actually still make it, but with new packaging that is totally whack. It looks like they're trying to act like they're hint water. I don't even know what hint water is. Is that water with a hint of flavor? Because that ain't Tang. Oh, wow. Yeah, that ain't Tang. Tang is kick you in your face. Orange flavor. Yeah, it's orange. It's It looks <laughs> like Sunny D, but warm. Uh, as a theme park enthusiast, the conversation... <laughs> as a theme park enthusiast, the conversation on Galaxy's Edge was very interesting and on point. For me, the highlights were definitely the disgusting Orlando rain, getting trampled Mufasa style by those rental trailer rental strollers that are basically the size of a pickup truck, yellow Powerade at six in the morning, and maybe Rise of the Resistance. Cheers, Taylor. Photo below of the 2020 Tang. <laughs> Ugh. Maybe Rise of the Resistance, she says. All the other things she are more highlights than Rise of the Resistance. You're talking about what is... I thought you were a theme park enthusiast, Taylor. You're talking about what's supposed to be the finest theme park attraction ever made by man. If you haven't been, how can you really judge? I can't really judge. My goddaughter Taylor's been to Galaxy's Edge before me. And now who knows when I'll get to go. And if I go, maybe I get sick. There's a Star Wars land eight hours away from me, and I can't go, Will. I Maybe haven't been yet. Be. <coughs> I don't know. Oh, no. Here I could, it comes. I could fly the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> but I can't. But I can't. Because you're trapped here. Yep. Man, I'm dying to go to Galaxy's Edge. There's so much of the world that needs doing. I know, man. I know. So many things I want to do. You know, before Jesse and I uh, started dating, I wasn't much of a traveler. You know, kind of stuck around the house and did things in Birmingham. Right. And then once we got together, we started doing like a once a year, once a year little vacation. Sometimes we'd even take like a little mini getaway. Mm. And... um you know, sometimes that would be Star Wars Celebration. Sometimes it would be going to California and hanging out. And obviously those were something I enjoyed. But now that that prospect is seemingly off the table for this year, man, it's a bummer. Man, is it a bummer. Yeah, right. All right. So we got two more emails before we wrap it up this week. Next up, we got one from Steven. Hey, guys. In a lot of the new stuff recently, we're seeing new and different things during lightsaber combat. Things like Kylo and Rey blocking each other using the Force. Ahsoka cutting the hole in the floor, controlling her sabers with the Force. And my personal favorite, the lightsaber breaking to slow down. The lightsaber breaking to slow down. Uh, so as we move forward, are there any new ways you'd like to see lightsabers used or featured? Personally, I would love to see way more double saber wielders in live action. Thanks for the great show each week, Steve. <clears throat> Steve's talking my language. I don't know why, but I love dual wielding lightsabers. I mean, it's it's classic. You know, you'd think 
any man that's good with one sword, if a man's good with two, he must be twice as deadly, you know? Well, it's, I think it, for me, it all goes back to like Knights of the Old Republic when you could set your character up to use two lightsabers. Oh yeah. And just like, you know, that's a very common thing for me to do in RPGs as well. Like not just Knights of the Old Republic. Like in Dragon Age, I like to play as the rogues because they dual wield um, and things like that. That's for some reason, it's just something I'm a fan of. And maybe that's that cool. goes back to like my Dritz the Drow stuff, like fandom when I was younger. Because yeah. he dual wields, doesn't he? He does. He's a dual wielding ranger. Mm-hmm. Dual wielding scimitars. Yeah, I uh, in EverQuest, I was a dual wielding ranger. Like, yeah, there's just <clears throat> something about that that's pretty cool. And you, It's very samurai to me. You know, one of the greatest swordsmen, Miyamoto Musashi, he was a dual wielding samurai. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. I'm sure I'm going to come up wanting on this, but like, except for that brief moment in Attack of the Clones when... Anakin is using two sabers against Dooku. We haven't really before seen before he loses his arm. Yeah, yeah. We haven't really seen um, a dual wielding live action scene, right? Well, he uses two to lop his head off in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, but that's so brief. I mean, I'm just. But yeah, um, that was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> um, Obi Wan dual wields to kill uh Darth Maul, right? No. No, cuz he drops his lightsaber and then he gets Qui-Gon. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Um yeah, and and I don't know what's something you would like to see as far as lightsaber combat or the evolution of lightsaber combat. Um I don't know. I think the idea of the Vapod, like the power stance, lightsaber fighting styles. I know the fighting styles kind of washed away when we did the the re, the re, reboot or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought those were neat. I thought the lightsaber forms and the lightsaber fighting styles were neat. I'd like to see a little bit more of that. And I think that comes into like the the double wield, the dual wielding, and the yeah, yeah, and. So, you know, another thing that I wonder, as Star Wars continues, I imagine we will see sort of the continued evolution of lightsaber stuff. So what I mean is we get the original trilogy, and in that trilogy, it's all fairly uniform. You know, the the style changes up a little bit, especially between like A New Hope and, and Empire, but it's all single-bladed lightsabers. And then the prequel trilogy comes out and it introduces double-bladed lightsabers. I know those were a thing in the comics before that, but like in live action, 100% canon Star Wars. And then the sequel trilogy comes along and we get Kylo's, you know, sort of broad... Cross-guard. Yeah, cross-guard, broadsword, heavy sword lightsaber. So I wonder what the next sort of iteration of lightsaber would be because I feel like they've hit because that was going to be mine the broadsword one but they did that like you said with Kylo's yeah 
and like it, heavy lightsaber. And and that seems to be, at least for me, from what I can think of, sort of the the end of the road as far like there's plenty of things they could do, but I think like like a lightsaber. Yeah, like or a lightsaber. A really thin blade lightsaber, like super <laughs> like light dowel, like the light dowel Obi Wan was using in a new hope. Like a thin lightsaber. That would be cool. Yeah. I mean that that would be sort of in line with the others, but like if you get into things like a a lightsaber spear, I'm not into that. Light no. whips, lightsaber whips, not light really whips. My no, thing. thank you. No, uh, I'm not looking at flaccid lightsabers. <laughs> uh, lightsaber axe, not really my thing. You know. Um, no. I say this because they have I'm, those axes in Force Awakens now. You know those. Yeah, the execution tool, whatever it oh, was. Yeah. The executioner. What do they call those things? Something baton. I can't remember. But yeah, that that's about as close to like I guess a mace or an axe as we've gotten in Star Wars, and it's not technically a star uh, an axe or a, not technically a lightsaber, so it works for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wonder what the next evolution of that would be. Um, you know, I wonder if you can use a kyber crystal as something else. Yeah, like, a Death Star laser. Well, yeah, but like. What if you could set it in, I don't know. This is getting a little too mystical. No, uh, Come on, get mystical. An, Let's open an, our third an eye. An amulet or a ring, you know, something that gave, something that it could, it could help channel the force through and amplify power, but maybe not necessarily even a lightsaber, but mm. like the, the kyber crystal element of it. Yeah. Like a ring that helps you do like a major force push or something. You know, I don't know. I like this. I like this because I know the genesis of this. And I appreciate the genesis of this idea as far as it's concerned. This is like a very D&D-esque concept, you know? Like yeah, a, it's very mystical. Yeah, yeah like yeah. A, a, a ring or an amulet or something imbued with some sort of stat-boosting power or mystical power like you know, right. I think there is something you could do with that, you know. And when you go back to sort of the earliest. um, Like Jen Erso's crystal on the necklace mm -hmm. really is the best example. Like that would that's pretty perfect. And it's self-explanatory. Well, like the earliest. And that could float when you would do force stuff, you know, and it would just you could consider it amplified. Like it's cool. It's very wizard. Like the earliest sort of ideas for kyber crystals is it what they weren't kyber crystals they were the kyber crystal it's part of the spl splinter of the mind's eye and it was like a special mystical crystal that they were looking for right okay that was tied to the force in some manner it's been a while since i've read splinter of the mind's eye but then you know as as canon progresses and stuff and you know they establish that lightsabers contain crystals and then those became kyber crystals and so on and so forth but right. you know the the sort of original concept behind that was sort of a mystical crystal artifact type thing you know we're talking about uh, anakin getting his arm cut off in attack of the clones yeah. you know <clears throat> for the phantom menace i was 100 percent on board for spoilers i knew the whole movie Mm -hmm. before it came out and then after that i was like well 
you know, that didn't take away from my enjoying the movie, but I'm going to stay away from spoilers for the next one. And I did a really good job avoiding spoilers. And then Force Friday or whatever it was called uh, back then comes around when they put out all the new Attack of the Clones toys. This is my freshman year in college, right? So I go to Walmart at midnight and I pick up what I consider to be the essentials. I need a Django Fett, because I'm a broke college student, two figures only. A Django Fett and an Anakin Skywalker. And I get home and I take Anakin out of the package and his arm pops off. And I'm like, oh shit, I broke the figure. And then I realized, no, I didn't break the figure. The arm has a magnet in it so you can attach and detach the arm. Oh, he must get his arm cut off in this movie. So the fucking toy spoiled it for me. Oh, that's rough, dude. Yeah. I thought he was going to lose it in the factory there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Because he gets it trapped under a piece of metal with his lightsaber stuck in there. Um, and I was like, oh, he's about to lose his arm. So we got one more email, and then we'll call it a night. And this one is from our buddy Ian. Hello, Blue Harvest. I was thinking earlier about this and thought I'd share it with you. If you could train with a Jedi, any Jedi, either from Legends or Canon... Who would you have liked to have as your master? Who would it be? I think I would have liked to have Master Plo Koon because when my brother and I played Jedi Power Battles, I loved playing as him, and then the Clone Wars series made him so much more badass. Let me know, and as always, may the Force be with you. Ian. Thanks, Ian. I like his choice. Plo Koon. Especially in that episode. He's one of your favorites. He is. In that episode, and it all stems from this one early episode of the Clone Wars when he and the clones get stranded in space. And they're like, nobody's going to come and find us. We don't matter to anybody. Yeah, we're expendable. And he's like, you matter to me. You are not expendable to me. I loved that shit. And he's such a cool design and things like that. So that is a good choice. I mean, He found Ahsoka. For the uh, shits and giggles of it, of course, I'm going to say Kiyoti Mundi. That's what I was I was like. I would say Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm-hmm. He would just be my preferred master because um, <clears throat> he seems even wiser than the Jedi Council. That's very tempting to me. Qui-Gon is, is up there for me, too. But uh, doing what we do and running the show, I was like, I feel obligated to say Kiyoti Mundi. Like, yeah, we'll get him out of the way. He's up. He's up there. Um, I think. I mean, obviously Yoda. Yoda and Qui Gon are on the same level. Yoda, have Master Yoda, or Master Qui Gon. Yoda, Qui Gon, Obi Wan. Like they seem like easy picks, but they're easy picks for a reason. You're gonna get a good Jedi education, right? You know what I mean. And like, you're gonna see some adventure if you're Qui Gon's Padawan or uh, Obi Wan's Padawan at least. I mean, it seems like it was pretty cool to be Anakin's Padawan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, until it went way south, but you know what I mean. And, you know. With the highs come the lows. Fucking Luke Skywalker. Being part of Luke Skywalker's, even though it doesn't end well, being part of Luke say, Skywalker's I was, I was rebuilt Jedi pass. Order. Yeah, being part of the rebuilt Jedi Order would be cool. Luke fucking Skywalker. Having to bum around with Ben Solo seems like it would be a goth. <laughs> lot of tub of goth fun. He's always like in 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 the ship going on a mission and He's like, it's my turn to play music on the radio. And you're like, fuck, Bauhaus again? Ugh. 
No. <laughs> oh, no. Dashboard uh, confessional again? Ben, really? I left my sad, angry face at home. Can we not? <laughs> just can we not? Yeah, but I don't think, you know, before Snoke started fucking with him and, and all that stuff, he probably wasn't that bad to be around. I don't know, man. He yeah, seems like as a teenager, he was probably like real nice to Luke. Like when nobody, when everybody was looking and then he was probably a shithead whenever Luke wasn't in the room. No, I don't know. I hope not. Cause the, the glimpse we get of Ben Solo in the rise of Skywalker, like I could hang out with that guy. Kylo Ren, what? not my type of dude. Yeah. But heroic Ben Solo showing up on Exegol in his jammies and fucking fighting the Knights of Ren and, and all that shit. I could hang out with that guy. Yeah. You know, his music taste may be a little suspect. May be a little stuck in 2004. But otherwise, you know. I'd be like, hey, your dad's Han Solo. Ooh, don't bring that up. <laughs> don't bring that up. Dun, dun, dun. Ixnay the on on say on say olo say all right well i think that does it for us this week buddy thanks for recording with me yeah dude thank you for having me on um like i said we hit 200 reviews if you haven't left one yet you know please do but you thought you were thinking about it yeah um if you're like, damn, I should do that. Well, then you still should. And if you like our theme song, then please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They're Stoned Cobra. And you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonecobra.bandcamp.com. And, and until- they're some of the coolest dudes in the world. They're like they're like, like Jedi Master level cool. You're like, if I want to be cool, I'll be like the guys in Stone Cobra. <laughs> um, and next week... I don't know what the hell we're going to be talking about because for the last eight weeks we've had this Disney gallery fucking safety net where even if it was a little slow we still had something to talk about. Something tells me we'll make it up as we go. The Uh, force will be with us. Yeah. So tune in next week to see see what happens. We'll leave you on that cliffhanger. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest. I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us. <laughs>